Hello, and welcome to Marking Out with My Girlfriend. This is my girlfriend, Erin. This is my girlfriend, Kat. And sometimes we talk about Tim and Eric for a little bit too long at the start of the episode. want to start off by talking about the indie shows we watched last night do we want to start off talking about some of our highlights from aew over the last two weeks i think we could probably do the aew highlights real quick and then one of those will transition into the indie stuff we watched yeah okay that works so what matches were your highlights for the last two weeks on aew so there's definitely cutler and avalon yeah, Cutler and Avalon 3 was obviously a highlight for most people. I think that was the most hyped up dark match that AEW has ever put on. Yep, definitely. I agree with Sammy that it should have been at least the buy-in for Full Gear. I don't know why they put something that hype on dark, other than the fact that the whole thing has been built off of dark matches. So, like, maybe it was to honor that. Yeah. It still feels weird to like like i'm fine with it being a free youtube thing like it but like i could have been booked a little nicer yeah like at least throwing up on dynamite i think would have been like really awesome like that said i am glad i got to watch the full match on youtube for free and i can be like hey watch this match where a guy gets fucking slammed onto some d4s <laughs> but yeah this was the comeuppance of that whole feud since february they've been doing this i think i don't remember how long they've been doing it it's always just been kind of a staple <laughs> yeah no it like i remember back when quarantine first started they had at the bte compound that cutler versus avalon thing but yeah even before that it, it had started mainly through like bte with avalon just harassing cutler yes i, I no, so, like, there was that segment where Avalon rang Cutler's doorbell and started making fun of him for not having a win. In the middle of quarantine and lockdown. Yes. And yeah, they, they even wrapped it up a little bit on, on BT last week, where they had, like, the press release for this match. Mm -hmm. Making it known that it's no DQs, no countouts, somebody's gotta win this friggin' thing. Yes. There... They still could have done a double knockout here. They really could have. But when you have Justin Roberts at the start of the match going, for the love of God, someone's winning this match. It was very <laughs> funny. The man who won this match. The man who won this match. We'll get to that. They've had actually great matches for this whole thing. They really have. It's been phenomenal. As Cutler's really found his feet. And yeah, they had a couple tables up for this one and a bag of dice or multiple dies as Excalibur insisted on calling them. Mm -hmm. Yes, Excalibur fell into the Neo scum trap of not knowing the difference between dice and die. Oh, God. <laughs> There's like a whole segment of Neo scum where their GM 
will Ganon will basically be like, look, if you can't call it the right version of dice or die, I won't let you roll the check. <laughs> it's not that hard. <laughs> yeah, so I was rolling these dies, and then I dropped a dice on the floor. No. Oh, I, I can somewhat forgive the dice on the floor, but no. <laughs> At, at a certain point, they started messing it up just to fuck oh, with him. And yes, as producer Aitsu is pointing out, there was a bunch of books, which led to maybe the better storyline to come out of this. Which is that the librarians are like, breaking up. Yeah. So Avalon stole the pile of books that Leva had by ringside. And it's important. Leva did have one rather large hollowed out tome. Of the Silmarillion. Of, yes. Which... Okay, let's pause whatever we're talking about with this match, because more importantly, Taz was able to pronounce Silmarillion properly and without prompting, like... Yeah, no stuttering or anything, he just kind of went for it. That's impressive. (laughs) So, like, Excalibur was like, oh, you're a Tolkien fan? Yeah, bro, I love those books. (laughs) It's funny, because I have a hard time saying Silmarillion. You're doing a pretty good job for someone who has a hard time saying it. Because I'm trying really hard right now. <laughs> yeah, but like, it was very... Honestly, I think the the funniest part of the Cutler-Avalon feud has been Taz's evolving pronunciation of polyhedral dice. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. There's even been evolution to the storyline of commentary through this. My favorite thing about dark matches is just how aggressively Excalibur and Taz are willing to rib each other over the match. Like something hype as shit could be happening in the ring and they're too busy making fun of each other. Are you ribbing me, bro? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay, back on topic was, yeah, the pile of books, Leva's hollowed out tome with brass knocks gets (laughs) stolen and Avalon just berates her at ringside mm-hmm. till she snaps back slaps him and just walks away yeah so i i'm excited for leva to start making her own way in the locker room and not having to be saddled down with peter avalon anymore yeah because they're two very different kinds of librarian philosophy leva was excited about books she got to go to the library of congress and like was really really cute and excited about it and then peter was like yeah whatever i'm a librarian but i don't like books they're weapons i just like the power trip of telling people to be quiet oh god yeah i've known both librarians (laughs) yes and the leva kind of librarians are some of the greatest assets that this world has They're nothing like the Star Wars librarians. They're nothing like Star Wars librarians. That's from next week's episode. Okay, I wasn't sure when that one came out. No, that hasn't come out yet. We still have next week before the librarians are introduced. In the end, through everything, Brandon Cutler reverses a top rope Hurricane Rana into a sunset flip and gets the three count. And he got his win. He's now 125 and two. I just, I appreciate the fact that, like, Peter Avalon bumped as hard as he did for the dice spot. Oh, God. There were definitely some D4s mixed in there. It was mostly, like, D6. I I saw a lot of D6s, a lot of D8s. I think there was a couple D12s. 
very limited d12s more d10s obviously because you get two of those in a set yeah there was at least one fate die in there (laughs) there might have been a couple genesis die i don't know that there were genesis dice in there i looked as hard as i could and the the dice that were the right color were the wrong number of platonic Uh, solids okay there were some d4 in there which are role-playing caltrops yeah he, t- he took a backdrop onto it, and he, I, I, I've never seen any hardcore match react that way. Now, that is not the most brutal thing we, we've seen this week in a hardcore match. No, no, it's not. Because there was something far worse at Camp Leapfrog. Far, far more, like, morally repugnant. Oh, it, oh, it, it hurts my heart thinking about it again, actually. We'll get to that, though. We'll get to that. Before we get to that, we, do you want to talk about the tournament? The AEW World Title Number One Contenders Tournament. Yes, the very same. Yeah, so we've had the start and almost finish of that one, where eight people had the chance to compete for a chance at the Number One Contendership. Mm-hmm. They were Ray Phoenix, Penta L Zero M, Kenny Omega, Colt Cabana, was Joey Janela replaced by Sunny Kiss. Yeah, he had an unfortunate run-in with someone who tested positive for COVID. Yeah, the entire collective weekend. Yeah. We didn't... We probably have to talk about that, too. Uh, we talked about collective last time. We talked about collective last time. We didn't talk about... The fallout. How everyone got COVID. Yeah. So, yeah, he was replaced by Sunny Kiss. And then there was also Wardlow and Jungle Boy. Mm-hmm. Did you mention Hangman? Nope, I m- mentioned Colt Cabana, but not Hangman. <laughs> I got seven out of eight. Okay. So last week we had the first round. Phoenix won over Penta, but Phoenix got concussed. Yeah, there's a spot at the end where he goes for a head scissors off the top rope. Mm-hmm. And you can see he doesn't quite roll properly and he rings his own bell on it. And for part of it, he's talking to Aubrey and looks like he's going to throw up. Yeah. He took it pretty hard, but he finished the match. Which... <laughs> It is questionable, but I can respect that desire to do so. Yeah, I guess. I I wouldn't say it's a good idea, but I understand why you had that idea. Yeah, no, like, I mean, it's a little bit of the show must go on attitude, but like... It's also his brother. That that too. You're going to take care of each other. Well, you're also going to work a little bit harder against your brother. That that too. (laughs) There's a a little bit of rivalry in there. Yeah, that too. Especially when you're predominantly a tag team. Yep, yep. Okay, we had Ray Phoenix move on. We had Kenny and Sunny Kiss, where we got our first real introduction to the cleaner, I believe. Yes, he even brought out the sweepers. Yep. Who are his ring girls who carry brooms and come out of the heel tunnel while Kenny comes out of the face tunnel still. He's not a face anymore. No, definitely not. Or like he briefly is respectful towards Sunny Kiss. You know, they shake hands it's a little bit awkward yeah like like a little overly formal and then v trigger one winged angel yeah matches over in two moves which was a little disappointing that's i but i i assume that's also how they had janela booked i would think so and it just was an easily transferable match spot you know i'm i don't know if i'd be as disappointed if it was janela but because it was sunny i'm very disappointed in it yes absolutely but i understand what they were doing right they're putting over the cleaner and like i i i uh, it, you get a goo 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 ga if it was 
if it was Janela, it'd be like, yeah, it's a Janela, whatever. He probably had too many white claws. <laughs> With it being Sunny Kiss, it's like a little bit more yeah, right in the Kokoro. Yeah. Translator's note, Kokoro means heart. Thank you. <laughs> All according to Keikaku. I've only been at this for 20 minutes. Aaron, you don't understand. I am not drunk at all i'm drinking water i'm the one drinking that said i did three i got high like three hours ago i shouldn't be this weird i think i'm just this weird normally you're just as weird normally and i love it okay good <laughs> anyway so hangman beats colt cabana yep wardlow beats jungle boy yep both of them were very good matches absolutely they were very solid wrestling matches not so much the story behind them as ray and penta and kenny and sunny right and even kenny kenny and sunny didn't have story behind it so much as kenny had story behind him. yeah kenny had story but yeah no hangman winning uh, so the important thing is that hangman and kenny are in opposite sides of the bracket so the only time they could conceivably meet is in the finals which everyone and their mother bet they would yeah it, it wasn't exactly galaxy brain booking <laughs> you know <laughs> it was very obvious what they were going for and it wasn't bad by no, no. any stretch like you know sometimes it's good to know what's coming like this is why i don't get too worked over like spoilers for anything because the journey should be worth it either way right exactly and like this one's got an obvious i don't want to call it a climax because it's not G1. It's got a milestone. Right. It's got like a big story beat coming in this match between the two of them. Yeah. And it's whether Kenny goes over and they do, you know, heel, anti-heel, or heel, anti-hero, heel for the AEW title. Or they do heel, anti-hero, face for the title. Yeah. Because I feel like who whomst ever wins the tournament is probably going to win the belt. Yes, I can definitely see either one. My prediction right now is that Kenny's going to go over and win the uh, world title from Mox and then carry that at least till double or nothing, like maybe even closer to a year long title reign before being beaten by Cage or not Cage Page. <laughs> I don't know. That feels like a tough one, like because Hangman is basically like the number one like face in the company right now yeah so it, it's all a matter of where he looks booking wise is do they see him as the number one face or do they see more room for him to build and that that's a background question i can't answer <laughs> you're right it could because if if it is the case that hangman hangman wins the tournament and wins the title where does his character go? It's the end of the Hangman versus Kenny storyline. Yeah. Un unless it's not, but like, you know, at plus, like, when Kenny gets to go full cleaner and also be the champion. Yeah. So I can see the problem there being that it worked in New Japan because of the talent in New Japan that was able to be active. Mm -hmm. There isn't so much of that right now in AEW. You've yeah, you've got Kenny, Page, Mox, all at the top there. Mm -hmm. Then it feels like there's a little bit of a drop off. We have indication that Pac may be coming back. Yep, that was put on Twitter today that he'll be doing some kind of announcement 
on Wednesday. So if Pack is coming back, that gives us another top talent. MJF very easily could make that blast rung into that kind of picture. I think his match with Jericho will do exactly that for him. Yes, definitely. That's the thing about Jericho is that like you have a match with him and it makes him more popular somehow, but also puts you over. Yeah. Like Chris Jericho is one of those very unique talents as someone who's an industry veteran, but also still very good at what he does, where it's like your match with Jericho is your next step. You know, he's like he's the gatekeeper for AEW and you can have a solid match with Jericho. You're ready to, you know, move into the big time. Yeah, definitely. If they're willing to separate the Lucha Bros more, I think Pentagon has very, very good chance at making a name for himself in the singles competition scene, particularly like as a top tier threat, because his match with Kenny was incredible. Like, I mean, and that was their second match, too. Mm-hmm. The first one was just as good. Yeah, like, it, I mean, it's I don't like saying things like all time great match because we don't have the benefit of hindsight on this yet. You know, we don't have the benefit of what comes from here. It's very memorable, though. But for a match between Pentel Zero M and Kenny Omega on a episode of Dynamite in late October, it was an incredibly memorable and well done match. Yeah. Like, probably not like a seven star match. No, you can only have so many of those. <laughs> right. But like, still a phenomenal match for a Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. Top of what I would consider a good Wednesday night match. Yeah. Or even a great Wednesday night match. So, like, yeah, it, you, it, it's good. I'm excited for what, what's to come. Hangman had a great match with Wardlow as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there was times that, that we weren't sure that Paige was actually going to win it. Mm-hmm. Because he'd hit, he'd hit Wardlow with something and he wouldn't budge. <laughs> And you could see that oh shit a little bit on his page's face. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was a lot of fun, and I I I appreciate Wardlow a lot, especially as he's starting to separate from MJF. Yeah, they're definitely definitely looking to get him away. It looks like mm-hmm. maybe a babyface run potentially, especially if he turns on MJF. That, that looks like what they originally had planned for him, like last all out with his promo there. <laughs> yeah, things. Obviously changed with the story direction significantly with COVID too. So like, well, you know, it'll play out how it plays out. But I, Wardlow has a lot of upside and I like seeing him wrestle. I I just want to see more Wardlow in in action. Exactly. You know who else I want to see in action more? Who do you want to see more in action? Silver. (laughs) I have good news for you then. (laughs) Johnny Hungy. Because John Silver and Orange Cast are going to be on the buy-in for i know i'm so excited for it it's gonna be so good they have had such good matches together they've had really good interactions together on aew too so that's still there no no absolutely and like it's you know the the chemistry is there their matches in beyond were great it was it's it's been it's been a good two weeks worth of content though yeah i'm content with this content we've got that coming out of Orange Cassidy and Cody 2 for the TNT title, where Dark Order, of course, interfered despite a stipulation set up so they wouldn't interfere. Right. Because why not? Good Pokemon. 
Yeah, it is. We had great matches between Paige and Wardlow and Penta and Kenny, Mm -hmm. which leads up to our finals, which will be Kenny and Paige. Who would have guessed? I didn't. Yes, I did. Everyone guessed. It was very easy to call that whole tournament. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I like where we got. No, I do too. Oh, you know what else is coming up for Full Gear is Nyla and Hikaru. Oh, Nyla versus Sheeta should be good. As as much as I do appreciate the AEW women's division, it really feels like there's not a lot of big threats for the title. Yeah, and it doesn't get the time to build threats. No, it doesn't. Like, I mean, when Riho is able to come back, maybe. Even then, it, it's a matter of ring time. Been so long. Like, she's still wrestling in Tokyo Joshi Pro. I mean, like, ring time in general for the show, where you have maybe one women's match a week unless you watch dark yeah that is the problem i that's i would think they're still positioned once they're able to actually produce the content again because of you know lifting of restrictions to do two shows a week yes and that will hopefully help the women's division significantly losing chris statlander for like half a year and Britt Baker for half a year. Chris Steitlander's still out. Like, it, it yeah. may be almost a full year before she, like, comes back. Because, like, she's had, like, multiple knee surgery. It's it's brutal. Gonna be a while. But you can watch her Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. on The Masked Wrestler on IWTV. Which we'll get to later. I'm so good at that <laughs> game. <laughs> Aaron, is at, Aaron is almost Warhorse good at that. <laughs> I think Warhorse cheats a little bit. No, he doesn't. He knows who he works with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's fair. He's very good at guessing. Yeah. Aaron's also very good at guessing. Um, no, it was, it's a good show. Uh, so, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to the pay-per-view. Is that next week? That's next week, isn't it? Yeah, next Saturday. Hey, we might have a new president. <laughs> I will continue to think about wrestling to prevent the existential crisis of worrying about this fucking election that's what i've been doing i'm not even american you live in canada you're relatively safe you're not you're you know no your economy's not safe either because when no. the american economy goes the canadian economy goes we usually have more protections in place thankfully but probably not this time not after this year no not after failing to extend cerb Good job, Trudeau. Or doing it in the most convoluted way possible. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Like, there are still people waiting on their benefits for- From the first round. From the first round. Like- Jesus Christ. It's- Yeah, it's really- It shouldn't be this complicated. No. Like, uh- Oh, what's what's Emma sending us? (laughs) That's the thing. Emma's just sending us a Hodor meme. Like, it's (laughs) fucking 2017 again. What the fuck? Installed a mod on my rooted phone in 2014. I believe you. Yeah, I believe you. It's you. Yeah. So anyway, one more AW segment, which was the Le Dinner Debonair. Ah, uh, yes. It, 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 it was a musical. It was a musical. It was a five-minute musical segment. It was amazing. They they did they did me and my shadow because you know you, you gotta bring the Rat Pack into it. 
This is why I drink. Aaron, it was a brilliant segment. Just like, okay. First of all, we got to hear MJF sing, and MJF is an amazing singer. Second of all, it led to me discovering the clip of MJF on the Rosie O'Donnell show again, <laughs> which was, again, amazing. Have you seen that clip, Aaron? Yes. Okay, good. Third of all, it's a great way to get new viewers. Think about the way that it expands the wrestling audience by creating like legitimately good viral content. It's ruining the fucking business. It's insulting everything that's gone into that ring for the past hundred years. <laughs> okay, Jim Cornette. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep that going any longer. I knew you couldn't. As soon as I said Jim Cornette, you couldn't keep it yeah, going. Yeah, no, you called my bluff there. Okay, so yes, this was legitimately like a divisive thing for a couple days. Yeah, people got really mad at it because it wasn't real wrestling. You know, the fucking worked fights. <laughs> so here's my take as someone who does not like musicals, but loves wrestling. It was a fucking re wrestling segment. Get over yourself. There you go. Like, my thing is, it's just it, it's it's one of those things that you I, MJF lobbied very hard for it. Mm -hmm. The song was Jericho's idea, though. Like They were originally going to do a different song. Yeah, they apparently recorded like the night before, too. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, I mean, it worked. The, and, like, the thing... Okay, so the big thing about gimmicky things like that, things like Orange Cassidy's gimmick, especially, like, the match versus Shockwave. Yep. Things like that. T take off your robot clothes. <laughs> you can take off his armor. He's a murder bot. I'm not getting in the ring. <laughs> yeah, it, but stuff that is... In the language of the people who get really annoyed at those things, not wrestling. Stuff like that is a very, very good way to expand the audience for wrestling. Because a healthy industry requires a lot of diversity of fans. Because let's be honest, no sport can sustain... That's not true, NASCAR exists. <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> Yes, I did set myself up for that one. Yes, you did. No, only one sport can sustain itself on weird, racist fans that are very particular about how their sport should be run, and that's NASCAR. And even then, they do a couple of road courses now, so they that's do. changing. They've always done road courses. Oh, I know. <laughs> but it, more to the point, like, you know, NASCAR statements on Black Lives Matter and stuff like that show that that sport is changing yep banning the confederate flag things like that but yeah for a very very long time nascar was exclusively southern white racists now they just have to go electric oh also northern white racists yeah don't forget about you know basically just white racists but yeah like a business like wrestling especially something that's niche because like nascar is a big thing wrestling's still a niche like niche fandom it does better for wrestling's overall health to expand to new audiences. And the best way to do that isn't a dense technical match. Best way to do that isn't necessarily a death match. It's not, you know, even high minded, long running stories are a selling point, but they're not going to get someone in the door. Yeah. It's like when giving examples for people to get started in wrestling, I don't send them to 
Boomer Hatfield versus Dasher Hatfield in the Lucha de Apuestas. It's a great match, but it's not a beginner match. It's a wonderful match, but you need to understand what's going on. Yes, you need to understand that this is a you know, worked father and son. Father is disappointed in the son because he's not like cutthroat enough. Yeah. It's a it's a phenomenal match, and it's one of my favorite matches of all time because it's like really powerful storytelling. And like I'm pretty sure Boomer was still in his first year of wrestling when they had that match. Yep. We've we talked about it on the show actually a little while ago. It's it's great, but it's not an intro match. You sell people on wrestling with frankly funny segments. You sell them on it with Orange Cassidy first. Orange Cassidy first. Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor versus Still Life and Blank. Yep. Pose me up, baby. It's funny enough where you keep watching it and you do under you do come to understand what's going on in it. Right. You it, it uses the vehicle of comedy to introduce you into the storytelling that happens in the ring. Yep. Now I would like to say one more thing on this, and we can maybe segue into the next one. Yeah. This was a wrestling segment. It got through again an interaction between two wrestlers in the wrestling business and how their characters clash and how they rub each other the wrong way and how they're playing one-upsmanship. It's storytelling through a different medium than just in the center of a ring, which goes into one of the indie shows we watched this week, which is Paris is Bumping, a Billy Dixon joint. A phenomenal show. A few of us in chat were here for that last night. Yep. Yeah, that was just so much fun. So that basically the premise of Paris is Bumping is a merging of the world of ballroom and drag and wrestling, like taking these hallmarks of queer people of color culture, mixing it with wrestling in a way that worked so beautifully because it was clearly done with affection for both industries. Yep. You know, the ball industry, obviously, you know, that's a less of an industry and more of a culture, but like the, the way that the cultures worked together and the way that it communicated how closely knit these very theatrical over-the-top performances are like the way that they're presented especially in like the pandemic times the way that we have to work within the confines of what we're allowed to do now and like that kind of DIY-ness to it mm -hmm. like ball culture has always been to my knowledge and I'm speaking on this not as an authority but as a white lady who is by no means an authority on queer culture particularly I don't want to speak for queer culture for people of color which is queer people of color who start cultural movements that then filter to you know like queer gender non-conforming and trans people of color who then pass things along and it becomes you know the flow goes from there eventually to straight white people yeah which is why we get so much african-american vernacular english that like white people feel comfortable using i personally don't which is why if you look at my tweets last night there were a lot of tweets about like you know oh mother is serving and whatever i can't say that because i'm a fucking white lady like, uh, on that point, even the description on IWTV says the first line, Billy Dixon hosts the first ever wrestling kiki ball. I had to Google what a kiki is. <laughs> it's like, I have no purpose using this. No, no. So like I talked about it, it, my tweets from last night spoke about how important it is to see queer people 
wrestling and you know particularly gender non-conforming and trans people in the queer circles wrestling and particularly people of color in those circles wrestling i didn't use terms like that i have no business using because i have no business fucking using them but yeah my point was that the very nature to my knowledge from what i understand of ball culture is that it's a very diy build your build it yourself work for yourself or your house but like it's very much in the same vein of indie wrestling where you've got to be in it because you want to be in it and nothing else will be enough because if you don't want it more than the next person you're not going to get it and that holds true in it definitely holds true in wrestling and from what i understand of ball culture you know having watched two seasons of pose <laughs> i was about to say like maybe we should find a version somewhere of paris is burning and watch that we could also watch that it's, it's probably online somewhere but no you i mean like pose is on netflix you can just watch pose that's that's where most of my understanding of ball culture comes from so like I didn't even watch that. I had no idea what to, what to expect from this. It was good. It was really good. It was great. Yeah. I absolutely love the show they put on. No, it, it was great. Okay, so let I mean it was a quick 90 minute show. Mhm. It or not even 73 minutes was the total runtime I think from what I remember reading. It was like an hour 10. Right. There's a whole thing at the end which went longer. Gotcha. Mhm. So, like, it was a very tight show. It was in the basement of a bar in Maryland. So there wasn't a ring or anything like that. But, yep. like, basically, the theme that the show worked with was Darius Carter being the pure wrestler. Yep. Who was, like, basically spent the whole thing telling Billy Dixon he wasn't good enough. And that whatever his vision for wrestling was wasn't what wrestling was meant to be he wasn't ever going to succeed in the industry but he played the you know he played a corporate heel he played a corporate heel but without there being a corporation for him to represent he i guess was a stand-in for the heteronormative nature of professional wrestling which is to say that if we ever acknowledge how gay wrestling is then it's going to be the gayest sport out there. Uh, spoiler, it's the gayest sport out there. Yeah, but they won't acknowledge that. So, yeah, we had that as the through line. There's a DMV deathmatch. I still don't know what DMV means in this context. Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. Oh, okay. Because it was in, like, it, it basically, the bar that they were in was kind of center of, like, what i would consider middle of nowhere maryland like it wasn't on the delmarva peninsula but the other side of the chesapeake where the potomac meets the chesapeake this is geography 101 stuff like it, it's not important but yeah it, it was delaware maryland virginia because okay. um that area generally speaking is like you know delmarva is the name for it which is also where steven universe lives <laughs> that's a tie-in yep yeah in steven universe we know of three canonical locations or three canonical states Marva, empire state which is obviously new york and then jersey <laughs> which exists as every caricature of new jersey possibly could be specifically they fly over jersey at one point and someone yells up from a car hey watch where you're flying you mook <laughs> Oh, goodness. 
It's the best. Okay. So anyway, uh, the DMV deathmatch was Ashton Star and Sahara Seven. It was a fun match. Yeah, like this is where I kind of got up to speed of what was going to happen with this. Right. So they, you know, they they announce the category. Everyone serves their looks, and then they have a wrestling match. Yeah, and it was a brutal wrestling match. It was like the, there was no padding or anything. This is just a hard floor and a pool table and a bar. And bar stools. A working bar. They got shot at one point. Yeah, they did. During this match, <laughs> they whipped each other with a hair weave. Yep. Which was a classic. Because uh, Ashton couldn't afford a whip. Mm-hmm. That that's a thing that happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a it was a fun match. Like I I genuinely enjoy watching weird off the wall matches like this, and this one was, I mean, like. They stopped and had a shot mid-match. Like, yeah. it's, it's hard to beat something that like that for fun, weird matches. And in the end, Ashton did end up winning this match. There was a lot of, like, heels going over. Yeah. As I'm looking at the roster again. Yeah, I, I can see that. Okay, so it was a three-match card. <laughs> there, uh, 33%. I think Candy Lee spot counts as a match. Does it? There was definitely some in-ring storytelling happening during that whole thing. I guess. Yeah, Candy Lee had a Vogue spot where it was just like a solid four or five minutes of Candy Lee voguing, along with some other uh, wrestlers, I assume, from New Zealand. It, it was really good. Yeah. Like, I was so, so impressed by that. I definitely picked up notes of a wrestling match in that. Mm-hmm. So I think that counts. Well, cage match doesn't count it. Well, cage match can suck it. Because there was no one, two, three. I will rewatch that match and I will find a one, two, three. <laughs> okay, you go for it. it. It's worth watching. Like, I'm pretty sure there's YouTube clips of it. Like, I, I was definitely just getting an IWTV subscription to watch this and experience it. Listen up, nerds. Mark and Get with my girlfriend, the best wrestling and or tangent podcast on the internet, has a new affiliate. That's right. We're now affiliated with Independent Wrestling TV. And let me tell you, we clawed our way up to this deal. We earned it. Blood, sweat, and tears. And guess what? They are stuck with us. If you visit iwtv.live slash go slash so says media and enter code so says media, you get five days of all the best independent wrestling for free. After that, it's only $10 a month to watch live events and the entire back catalog. By using our promo code so says Media, you get all that free trial to watch our favorites, like GCW, ICW No Holds Barred, and H2O. Or something not hardcore, like Beyond, Pure J, and Black Label Pro. Now go watch some wrestling, dweeb, because we're not going anywhere until you do links in the description okay so next match was the divas four-way extravaganza yes so for this match they brought the wwe divas belt out of retirement <laughs> i think they've actually done this at a few shows they have which is how eddie mcqueen has the belt yes it is so yeah it was the butterfly belt yep the old butterfly belt so yeah this was eddie mcqueen erica lay dressed like the 90s yes just straight up the 90s 90s girl erica lee corinne mink and jared evans 
who's a New Yorker. That's his whole gimmick. He wore a Yankees uniform. And had a bat. Mm -hmm. Corrine Mink would kill you. That's her gimmick. <laughs> this match was all over the place. Yeah, it was. It, it's four people in a cramped bar trying to get all their stuff in. <laughs> yeah, it, it still worked, though. Like, Oh, yeah. There was a segment where Kalia goes for like a double clothesline on Eddie McQueen and Corinne Mink, and both of them just like look at her like, "Are you kidding?" <laughs> they were not impressed. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, it, this was just a fun. I, I, I think like from a pure fun perspective, this was the match I had the most fun with. Yeah, because there's always something happening. People that come and go, mm -hmm. so you didn't have to just watch one or two people the whole time you got a whole taste of everyone and it is important to note that jared evans did score four zeros for his look yep everyone else got tens except for eddie got a two from someone yes because throwing shade i can't remember the judge's names <laughs> i know one of them is Dyla rose's wife yeah one of them is kel rose but that's that's as far as i remember yeah one was Naro's wife. One was Faye Jackson. There was a lot of shade thrown. I think that's the way you use that terminology. Then the two people on the ends, I don't remember. Anyway, good match. Lots of fun. Oh, you know what we didn't mention for this? What? Larry Legend was announcing this one. Oh, yes. Larry Legend is amazing. He, d he works for a bunch of places. <laughs> but he's one of my favorite announcers right now. I mean, he's been doing ring announcing for how long? Like Back in CCW. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. Okay, so Eddie McQueen wins this one. The next segment is Sex Siren Mariah Moreno. It, it was an advertisement for her OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah, no, there was an OnlyFans ad in this one. This one was definitely rated R. Yep, there was wax play. There was wax play. It was pretty cool. So like part of what was important about this was because of the nature of ball culture being extremely trans particularly trans people of color like i've mentioned a lot of that involves the fact that trans people are historically and currently very frequently sex workers so it did not feel out of place for an only fans ad no because that's part of the culture yeah no when i saw it when you saw the address come i thought oh that that's odd i didn't expect to see an only fans ad but it doesn't break the flow of the show. <laughs> it didn't, no. It, it, it worked well. That said, her dress did seem kind of breezy. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a comment Aaron made. Like, ooh, that looks breezy. <laughs> I think it's a drafty. Draft, that's right, you said drafty. <laughs> I'd catch a cold going outside of that. <laughs> yes, you would catch a cold going outside of that. Oh my god. I'm the vanilla one. <laughs> I know you are. So then the, the I guess we'd call it the like main event for the evening was Billy Dixon versus Darius, Darius Carter, Carter, which was a match of Billy Dixon getting, uh, first of all, Billy Dixon served an incredible look, but Billy Dixon got the shit kicked out of him. Yep. This was a very old school baby face match. Mm -hmm. You get over by getting your ass kicked for 10 minutes and then make a comeback. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they did. <laughs> you don't need to get shine if you get the win. Oh, it it got a little bit uncomfortable a couple times. Like there was one specific spot where Billy's foot was put in between a folding table and the table closed. Like I'm not a fan of that one. It was a plastic folding table though, and those things are light as shit. I know, but it's still like 
I'm not a fan of that specifically. Everything else that they worked around that, it's fine. Yeah, there there was a there, it was it was brutal. Darius Carter is on Twitter still tweeting like he won that match. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're going by score, yeah, he would have. But we don't do score in wrestling. No, we don't. Uh, there was also a door in this match because it's it's an indie show, so you gotta have a door, right? I appreciate that they referred to it as a door, not a table, <laughs> because. During Camp Leapfrog, which we'll get to next. They kept calling it a table. They kept calling the door a table. <laughs> it was so good. And I mean, I guess if you're like really broke, you could get a 30 something dollar door from Lowe's and then strap some two by fours on it. Yeah. And boom, you had a kotatsu. Cut it into squares, you got two. <laughs> no, because it's a hollow door. Put some cardboard in the end, it'll be fine. That's how you keep the bees out. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you keep the bees out. Yeah, it's very important when camping. So yeah, uh, Billy Dixon ends up putting that one off a roll-up. Mm-hmm. Great match. A lot of heat built. Billy looked great at the end of it. Is this the match where, did, where they did a pool table spot, or was that the previous match? I, yeah, they did one in here, and they did one in, in the first match. Right. Because the first match was an axe kick off the pool table for the win. Yeah, it was very barroom brawl Yeah, in a lot of ways. It, it worked, though. Like, I mean, like, this this show clearly would have been better served to A, have more time, B, have an audience. More than the six people in the bar. Two of whom were bartenders. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, like I said at the start, I didn't know what to expect from this show. So I just kind of kept an open, open mind going into it. But right at the start of the DMV Deathmatch, like, okay, this is what I'm getting out of this. And they're doing it really friggin' well. It all worked perfectly. Like, I, I couldn't have imagined a better merging of the two cultures. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we got to watch this. It was a lot of fun. They've already announced there's going to be a sequel. That's going to have Candy Lee versus Mariah Moreno. That'll be fun. Fingers crossed on that one. Hopefully we can get people out for shows like that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Camp Leapfrog. The other independent show we watched last night. <laughs> yes, that looked like it was filmed on a VHS tape. Yeah, there's okay. There was three premiere shows on IWTV this week. There was Camp Leapfrog, Paris is Bumping, and Belt for Clout Four or Belt mm-hmm. for Belt for Clout Ninety Nine. Ninety Nine, right? Wrong number. And they all revolved around VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think anyone talked to each other on these. <laughs> it's just funny they all came out the same week. About for they're cl- no, about for clout and Camp Leapfrog like are mostly the same people. Well, the same people performing, but is it the same ones running it? Because I know Camp Leapfrog is Chris Levine. I don't remember who set up Belt for Clout. I don't think Chris Levin was involved in it, but like editor's note: Belt for Clout ninety nine was put on by Pizza Party Wrestling. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Either way, there was three of them, and I found it hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so Camp Leapfrog was a lot of fun. So the premise of Camp Leapfrog is that it's a wrestling summer camp, and... And the Chikara kids are there. Yeah. Also, they make moonshine. Yep, they support the camp through moonshine. They're allowed to say fuck. A lot. <laughs> like, it's fine. It is what it is. But it was a lot of fun. They did, like, a whole royalty-free version of Thriller. Yep. It was about 30 seconds long, but it's fine. That's about all they could get away with. Just about. So our first match on the card was the Oreo Speed Scouts. Oreo Speedwagon, Josh Wavra and Xavier Faraday 
dressed as sailor scouts. I loved it. They were so into this. And they were taking on Devante's and... Jet Jaggery. Yes. Not Jet Jaguar. No. That's a kaiju. Yes, that is a kaiju. I think... (laughs) I think uh, I think Netflix is doing a Jet Jaguar series. Okay, that that's a choice. They teased something about it, yeah. What colors were they? Okay, so Josh Wavra was Jupiter, and Xavier Faraday was Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. And Xavier Faraday was really feeling that outfit. They both were. They had a blast. <laughs> no, so uh, Team Oreo Speedwagon goes over Devante's and Jet Jaggery in... We forgot to mention, this was a very specific type of match because the show opened with Oreo Speedwagon, like, trick-or-treating. And they originally booked it as a trick-or-treat match. And then, uh, I forget which of Devante's or Jet Jaggery said it, but they were like, no, it's not a trick-or-treat match. It's a trick-or-treat smell-my-feet match. (laughs) So the loser had to smell someone's feet. Oh, it that... It was funny. <laughs> kind of gross, but it was funny. It was funny. Uh, so that was a good match. There was like a whole like running through line of a cursed videotape. Yep. There's a VHS tape again. The cursed VHS tape that like someone watched and that released monsters from a portal to the underworld or whatever. Yep. <laughs> Not to be confused with the Assyrian portal. Even though Amasis was involved. Even though Amasis was involved. Which then led us to believe whoever was underneath the frog cultist might have been Ophidian. So yeah, there was a guy in a frog cultist costume. It was weird. It was cool. Um, I love pointing these out and then you have to explain them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next match on the card was a pumpkin death match. Now, the pumpkin death match was legitimately the most brutal thing i have ever seen i i'm surprised they put this on anything really i yeah like uh, just like the sheer like violence that was on display in this match like i people had i i know like we were watching with people and they had to look away yeah i don't normally find spots to be repugnant but you can't slam a guy onto candy corn it's just so awful and so, like, needlessly violent, so brutal. And I don't understand why they would put that on a show that is generally pretty funny and, like, very lighthearted. It just doesn't make sense. And, like, it kind of felt like a betrayal of what I liked about the Chikara kids and, like, their level of willingness to stay true to some of that wholesomeness. And, like, it's just, there's a thing. There's such a thing as too far. And that was like three levels of brutality before the candy corn spot. And I I just can't endorse it. Aaron, are you okay? Yes. <laughs> are you sure about that? I'm are you sorry. sure about that? <laughs> oh, I can't do it. I corpse too easy. Aaron fucking Aaron fucking immediately started corpsing through that. Because yep. <laughs> I knew what you were gonna do. <laughs> and corpse is harder than a Dark Order segment on BTE. I do. That's why I'm not a wrestler. I kept that going pretty good because you could see there were a couple moments <laughs> where I almost too. started. Oh, uh, but this was that was a lot of fun. Like there was a point where Blank grabbed a, a pumpkin and threw it at abs, and it split in two. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. It just kind of spun there. Yep. Like, I mean, it was obviously a gimmick pumpkin because well, yeah. there were no pumpkin guts, but... It was hilarious. It worked really well. Blank, like, tried to chop abs in the abs, and that didn't work. Yeah, that hurt his hand. I'm a little bit sad he didn't keep the hot dog costume from the skit on, though. Yeah, hot dog costume Blank was pretty great. Blank is just generally fun to watch, too. I love his persona. When he gets the cursed tape and goes, I've seen this already. It's derivative. I've seen it. <laughs> like, just, I I love Blank. So Blank beats Abs and Sam Laterna because Abs was dressed up as a macho man. Yeah, so Sam was out playing Miss Elizabeth. Which was very good. It, like, they, the, everyone had costumes. It was very funny. Green Ant was Ant-Man. Yes. A thief ant in Ultimate Irony was a cop. A sexy cop. What was what was Zero? I think he was supposed to be like a supervisor, because he had a super high-res visor. Oh, right, right. I'm trying to think of other highlights for costumes. Cajun Crawdad was Billie Eilish. Yes, Cajun Crawdad was Billie Eilish. What was Hermit Crab? Mick Foley. Right, With Mr. right, because he had Socko. I'm trying to think of, like, there, there were a bunch of very fun costumes, though. It was... I think Travis Huckabee was, would be a member of Team Rocket. Travis Huckabee was a very low-effort member. No, so Travis Huckabee and Old Man Mikowski. <laughs> uh, that's our next segment. So the, this segment is introduced by Pancakes, like, running in fear from the woods. And he runs into Ron Voyage and Trajan Horn. And they're like, what are you running from, Pancakes? You look terrified. It turns out that's just how Pancakes looks. But like, we'll yep. let that slide. Um, he's like, well, there are these, there are these bullies in the woods. Blah, blah, blah. So they go and they discover one of the bullies is wearing a mask. Turns out that the guy under the mask is Matt Mikowski. But when they pull the mask off of him, they go, old man Mikowski. <laughs> He's not that old. <laughs> no, but it's a good Scooby Doo trick. I know. So, um, Salt of the Earth, which is Matt McCaskey and Travis Huckabee versus Ron Voyage and Trajan Horn with pancakes, was I don't know. I had a good time with that match. Yeah, it was a great tag match. It was a wonderful tag match with a ripcord uh, lung blower at the end. <laughs> yeah, that finisher is just gorgeous. But like I like Matt Mikowski and Travis Huckabee together. They work really well together. Yeah. They make a really good like high school bully style heel team. And they look like you have to take them seriously as a tag team. Exactly. Because I mean, they're both very good wrestlers. Yeah. It's always interesting watching, you know, former MMA guys get into wrestling. And I don't think anyone's quite I, I like many of them have probably been what would be considered more successful yeah but i don't think anyone's quite like gotten the ethos as well as matt mikowski has like he feels like he's a wrestler not an mma fighter who happens to wrestle because it's easier money yeah i could definitely compare him to like Shayna baszler mm -hmm. like in a few years i can see that kind of same thing going for matt mikowski absolutely i would love to see him i mean like he's the right kind of performer maybe he's not because he's not from oklahoma and therefore jr isn't in love with him <laughs> but like i'd rather have mikowski in anything than jake hager fair and they're both bellator guys so just pick the good one right 
One of them has a personality. The other one's Jake Hager. <laughs> like, it's... I think it comes down to the character work. Yes. At the end of the day, you're playing a character when you're a wrestler. Even if you're an MMA fighter who happens to be wrestling at the moment, you're still playing a character and you need to inhabit that character in order to, like, involve that suspension of disbelief that comes from the fact that, you know, it's wrestling. It's not a real fight. Yeah. And if you can't do the character work that well, it's, like, very hard to separate what is not even real but like it just it loses some of the magic of the fantastic elements of wrestling yeah and you know at the end of the day if i wanted to watch shoot fights i'd watch shoot fights but i want to watch wrestling because i want that little bit of superhero that little bit of comic book that little bit of magic that makes wrestling unique you know i want it to be reasonable for someone to throw an invisible hand grenade in the ring (laughs) We might like comedy wrestling. Yes, we do. But like, even serious, like I, I, you know, I like hardcore stuff. Yeah. But like part of why that's fun is still the fantastical elements of it. I mean, like, where the, why the fuck do they have that many light tubes? Because there's a sale at Home Depot. There's like a wind, they built like a window frame out of light tubes. It's just preposterous. They built like a light tube log cabin and throw a guy into it. Like, there's an inherent silliness, even to like hardcore matches, even to like the New Japan shoot fights. Yeah, even in like the most straight laced technical matches, you can find that element still. Right, there's because there's that little element of fantasy even if it's just a slightly over the top character that wouldn't really happen nobody's gonna no no regular human person is going to have the personality of macho man randy savage you know like there's something even at like the most classic level like the entrance music hulk hogan claiming to be a real american yep it's the most pompous thing ever right it's the pomp and circumstance the pageantry that adds that level of fantasy to it that makes wrestling enjoyable and like i don't know people who follow the cult of cornet maybe don't get that what makes wrestling good is that it's got that element of fantasy yeah we make a collective agreement to leave realistic expectation at the door and accept what is happening in front of us as reality. Exactly. We we take that like step back and say, this guy who very well may be a genuinely wonderful person who is playing the character of an asshole is an asshole and we hate him with every fiber of our being until the show ends. Even if he's Jay White, the most hated heel in New Japan Pro Wrestling who raised $22,000 for Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I mean, like, there's a lot of reason why a guy with a name Jay White isn't going to be popular in Japan. Or at least isn't going to be a popular babyface. Yeah. For one thing, he heads up the Bullet Club. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway. So yeah, we get to the end of Salt of the Earth defeating Ron Voyage and Trajan Horn. And they pull Ron and Trajan out and they're going to egg them. Mm -hmm. But the last second... Pancakes comes in, pushes them out of the way, and Mikowski and Huckabee egg, egg each, each other. other. Huckabee takes an egg to the torso, and Mikowski takes an egg to the eggs. 
he takes he takes a nut bump. Nut, 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 nut. Oh uh, yeah, pancakes is great. If you actually want to see him wrestle, it's on Bout for Clout ninety nine. Poly Cult Party Two. Oh yeah, he wasn't. That was his debut. That was his in ring debut. How do I not remember anything of Poly M Cult Two? Was I drunk? It was a mid afternoon show. Was I distracted? I think I was distracted because it was a pay per view that night too. Maybe. Yes, there was. I think that was all in. It was. Yeah, that that'd be why. <sighs> Sorry, MV. Can't believe you do that to the Poly Cult King. Sorry, the Poly M <laughs> Cult King. The Poly yeah. M King. Whatever he calls himself these days. <laughs> oh, okay. But this brings us to our nighttime match. Because it's dark out now. And people are around and they're accusing violence of being a monster. Because mm-hmm. he looks like a wrestler, but he acts like a monster. Which side are you on? At this point, someone has watched the tape. Yep. And the monsters have come through the portal and are terrorizing the camp. We get a segment where we find out before this match that Cajun Crawdad has been bitten by one of the monsters. Yep. He, he does the right thing and he reports it to someone. Hermit Crab tells him to like spritz it with some water and wipe it down. Unfortunately, he showed it to Hermit Crab. And it'll be okay. <laughs> Instead of anyone else. <laughs> Literally anyone else. <laughs> so, yes. So we have a match of violence versus the frog cultist. The aforementioned frog cultist. Who's just already in the ring. Mm-hmm. And the frog cultist takes off the costume, pulls up the like wizard robe, and the first thing I saw, like, I knew exactly who it was. You just had to show me the kick pads because yep. they had the horse skulls on them. And it was fucking Warhorse. Yep. And the first thing that commentary said and that I said was, how did they afford Warhorse? <laughs> I think Fed said that, too. <laughs> yes, he did. Billion dollar budget. No, I think they, like, legitimately actually had more budget for this show. Because the first show was a prove-it show. This show, like, they probably had a bit more budget. Yeah. Because they actually had lights. Yep, that that helped. They had an entrance set up, even if it was just a curtain. It, it definitely felt like they had a little bit more to work with for this event. Yeah. They definitely were given... They, they, they could get creative with it. Mm-hmm. So we have Violence versus Warhorse for the IWTV title. Warhorse got a lot of help through this match. Yes, Warhorse, it was basically a handicap match with Warhorse having the advantage. So it was Violence, really, versus Warhorse and Boner. Yep. So just like that extra man in the ring can really give you the advantage. And I'd like to see a fair match between Violence and Warhorse because... I think it'd be a lot better. I can understand if Violence has to, has to beat Boner first. Potentially. That that would be a good build-up for the match, too. Yeah, yeah. But I, it just, it's a shame to have a title match decided in a handicap match like that. And you know, especially one where, you know, there's a clear advantage gained from, you know, like, I mean, having your teammate choke the guy out while you apply yeah. pressure to his back, things like that, that just, like, wouldn't happen in a normal match. Yeah, like, Boner was really into choking violence here. Yeah, apparently violence was choking on Boner. And... Something I would expect to hear from Effie first, actually. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, no, so, okay. Boner was a plastic skeleton. 
I'm not going to do another one of those bits. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, Boner is a plastic skeleton that Warhorse uses for like promotional shots and stuff. And it just worked in this. They did a double elbow drop off the top for the end and Boner broke in half. (laughs) Yes, they did break a plastic skeleton in half. And then Warhorse ripped his skull off after the match. (laughs) That was just mean. That was unnecessary. It was fine. It was funny. I enjoyed that. So yeah, that they had an IWTV or IW IWTV Independent Wrestling title match. Thank you. I couldn't get it out. Yeah, they had a title match on this show for a legitimate title. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Then following that, we resolved, as far as I'm aware, the monster plot through a battle royal. Yes, the over the top, sorry, the over the top rope costume contest battle royale. Battle royal. Yeah, there's no E. Either way. Either way, this made more sense than the clusterfuck. It did, but okay, let's. Who was in the match? So there were like seven, eight monsters in the match who weren't billed on the card. Yeah, there was like a werewolf lady and a skeleton or a scarecrow and. Calyx and <laughs> well, Big Calyx was billed on this t- yeah. on this card. There were there were monsters though. It was okay. So we had Thief Ant, the Spoiler, the Crusher, Still Life, Molly McCoy, Zero, Marcus Skyler, Mantakia, Jose Ibanez, yes, Hermit Crab, Green Ant, Gabby Ortiz, Francis Wright, Cajun Crawdad, Boomer Hatfield. Big Game Leroy, Big Calyx, and Amasis. Yep. And then Kaya McKenna. Kaya McKenna did eventually win it all by throwing Amasis out with magic. Yes. It was... <laughs> and sending the monsters back to hell. Yes. there. Okay, so there are a couple of highlights of this match for me, because it's hard to talk about Battle Royals without just going through what every little detail that happened unless you only talk about the things you really really enjoyed yeah uh boomer and molly saw that there were legit monsters in the <laughs> ring and just eliminated themselves yep. to get out of the ring they finger poke of doomed each other out of the ring <laughs> they they did the they did the little like too sweet and then finger poke of doomed each other out of the ring as soon as they realized oh no <laughs> oh no this one's real and has yes. swords Yes, it's a zombie with swords. Cajun Crawdad had two swords. We don't know where the swords came from. No, I do. One of the people at the event, remember, they did like the weapons check. Okay, but then how did Cajun Crawdad get the swords? I assume off of the weapons check table. <laughs> they were just left there all day. <laughs> Probably. Uh, but yeah, so Cajun Crawdad mid-match turns into a zombie, as is to be expected. When you get bit by a zombie. <laughs> and there was... This just absurd segment where, again, the weapons that were established during the weapons check scene come into play. And Hermit Crab has a fucking bow and arrow. And we did find out Hermit Crab is capable of love. Yes. Cajun Crawdad was like a raging mindless zombie in the ring. And we cut to Hermit Crab with the fucking bow and arrow. And he says, Hermit Crab loves you. And then shoots the arrow. And then it jump cuts to the arrow getting caught under Cajun Crawdad's elbow or under his armpit and like a, uh, <laughs> you know. As you do. As you do. When you're a zombie getting shot with a bow and arrow. Yes. So we did learn that Cajun, that, 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 that Hermit Crab is capable of love. Really, that's the highlight of the whole show for me. Same. 
I'm sure he's gonna kill us for saying that. I'm sure he is, but it's what's he gonna do? Pinch me? No, he's gonna shoot you the bow and arrow, apparently. Oh right. <laughs> he's a weapon now. Herbert Crab hates you all. And that brought us to the last match of the night of Killian McMurphy and Brad Rush fighting because Killian doesn't like the camp. <laughs> yeah, Killian McMurphy was the one who put the videotape on releasing the monsters. That was the conceit. So Killian McMurphy wins the match. It was like, I, I had a fun time with this whole show. It was definitely worth watching. Yeah. Did we want to talk about the mask wrestler or have we been going long enough because we've been going for almost two hours? I give me 10 more minutes. <laughs> I can give you 15. Oh, geez. I don't need that much. So yeah, we had the mask wrestler this week which had wildcat taking on marmalade what was last week oh right we didn't do last week last week was skid versus falcor so falcor for that one did like a very good nick fucking gage impersonation Mm -hmm. mdk all day baby yeah like i i couldn't tell who it was because it was so on point I feel like everyone in indie wrestling does a good Nick Gage, though. Yeah, that's fair. It's it's so well known. So yeah, Falcor ended up losing that one and was a mass to be KTB, mm-hmm. who that week also had a match on Dark. So you might recognize him. Uh, now, speaking of which, and interestingly enough, I saw news recently that apparently for the Casino Battle Royale, they weren't originally going to have Matt Seidel come out. Oh, really? Yes, originally, it was gonna be Nick fucking Gage. <laughs> um, and then he injured himself at that Beyond show. Yeah, I can see that being a problem. So we almost got Nick fucking Gage in an AEW match. An AEW match with Eddie Kingston in it. Mm-hmm. That would have been something, actually. Yeah. Like, literally, everyone in that match would have been dead. Yeah. Everyone's still left in the match anyway. Eddie Kingston might have survived. Lance Archer might have survived. Yeah, I'll have to wait until Nick Gage recovers and maybe they'll do that again then. I hope so. More Nick Gage and everything. Okay, but this week was Marmalade and Wildcat. This was a short match. I think this was like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I noticed some things with Marmalade, namely a how deliberate a lot of her breaks were Mm -hmm. on certain moves. And my guess was that it was Lady Frost. Who did it turn out to be? Lady Frost. Billy Dixon and Chris Statlander also got it right. Lady Frost has a very distinctive style. Mm -hmm. And like, I genuinely love how she wrestles. Yeah. It's very fluid, very intentional. Oh, it's, it's great. Graceful is the word I would use for it. Yeah, that works. Like, Poised and graceful. Yes. Almost royal. (laughs) So I am now two and one on this show. Right, because you guessed that it was blank, and it was just blank sans mask. Yeah, it was Logan Easton LaRue. And I've got guesses in here for the three people who aren't unmasked yet. Mm Mm-hmm. And the next ones to come up next week that I don't even know the names of. So, fingers crossed. (laughs) Because if it's any of these three on here, I'd love to see them. (laughs) 
I'm excited for Masked Wrestler as it continues. I, I'd like to see it become an annual thing. Yeah, it's a really neat tournament. So, and now the last thing that I've got here is my recommendation. So I'm going to go along with the theme that we've had tonight of alternative storytelling in wrestling. And I'm going to put in Sue Young versus Orange Cassidy. Because a lot of this match focuses not on wrestling itself, but the interaction of two characters that in any other circumstance would never meet. Mm-hmm. This is like a Scooby-Doo villain thing going on. It, it is very much a Scooby-Doo match. <laughs> like, I mean, like, at one point, Sue Young uses magic to disappear from the ring. And Orange just walks around yelling her name. Orange Cassidy has to walk around the arena looking for Sue Young. <laughs> Sue, have you seen her? Sue? Hey, did you see where she went? Like, just like, very Orange Cassidy not really caring. Yes. But yeah, I think that's everything I had to talk about this week. That's all I had to talk about this week. Oh, damn, we're going to get out of here for nine. Yeah, right? We have time to get high and suck a dick. I don't know. <laughs> I'm a little bit high. I've noticed. What? It was kind of on camera. I know. It's okay, it's legal here. Okay, fair. I think we went over this last time. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's really, I think, it for this week. We'll be back next week with more tangents about kaiju. Because we did talk about Jet Jaguar for a little bit. We talked about Jet Jaguar for a bit. Wait, hold on. Before we go, there's a special guest who would like to come on the show. (gasps) The boy! Say hi to everyone, Taco. Hello, Taco. (laughs) Taco, would you like to see us out? Taco says... Be gay. Mwah. Do crimes. Bang. Girlfriend is a production of Sosa's Media. Check us out at sosces.ca. Music has been provided by Sounds Like an Earful. Someone else signed into Sosa's. Someone else has signed into the Sosa's Twitch account and just posted busy in chat. Awesome. God damn it, I assume Emma. I would think so. Because Erica's out in the woods. <laughs>